This is Hope FM. Well, as you know, or you don't need me to tell you, there's a great deal of suffering in not just Ukraine, but in many, many countries of the world. And sadly, that has resulted in people being displaced uh, from all that they know. Uh, so imagine you were one such person from Afghanistan or from Ukraine or, or some of those other countries that have been affected in this sort of way. You would need as much support as you can get. Well, I'm delighted to say that there is one organisation, one among a few uh, here who give direct support to refugees. That organisation is the International Care Network, or ICN. I've got uh, is the Chief Executive, Rebecca, uh, and I've also got uh, Rachel, who's their Community Support Manager in the studio. So, uh, good, after- good morning to you both. Good in the morning. afternoon already. It is. It's a very sunny morning. It's lovely outside, isn't it? Now, ICN, International Care Network, uh, uh, Rebecca, tell us, uh, how did the organisation start uh, and, um, and what do you do right at the heart of, of things? Yeah, so ICN actually started back in 98, um, sort of around 24 years ago, where just a small group of um, believers actually just came across a group of Afghans and Kosovans who had fled and come over to Bournemouth and needed help. Um, So this four or five uh, people who encountered them just felt that they really wanted to help. And it all grew out of recognising they needed help with their English. So really, as one of the barriers to resettling well is being able to speak the language. So ICM was born um, with a focus of addressing language needs and helping people to learn English. Now, over that course of those 20 odd years it's really grown and developed and recognised that there are so many challenges that refugees and asylum seekers face um, to settle well so many different areas practical needs that they need addressing so it has now grown to five different departments of various types of support lots of different ways that we help and address the needs and the heart of it we are a Christian charity the heart of it is we believe we want to welcome the stranger and that can be kind of countercultural at the time there's a bit of a hostile narrative going on around um, immigration but as Christians we believe that God has placed us here just to share his love through practical ways and means so we are driven by those values and we just want to we see the need we recognize it we want to help we want to um, make sure every individual knows that they are welcome here in Bournemouth and wider Dorset and of course you unashamedly operate from a Christian ethos uh, and so on. Many of the people, of course, that you work with would, would have no faith or another faith. That's uh, right. Uh, so on. So you're not a forceful organisation in the sense of uh, you're saying we're, we're doing this because we love you. Uh, but, That's right. But you're not hammering them with the Bible. Absolutely. So we're not sort of um, evangelical mission oriented. That's right. Um, the values and belief in, in God and the fact that we know that God's love is in us and we want to share that. That's what drives us. But no, we're not hammering with the Bible. We're we support and help anyone from all faiths and none and our drive is just to address the needs and to do that uh, by showing yeah love decency care respect all of those fruits all of those good things as christians we know um, are reflections of jesus but we're doing it just naturally by building relationship and just creating an environment that's self safe and of course, uh, you know, Jesus himself said about the widows and orphans mm-hmm. and the dispossessed. And he himself, of course, talked to a Samaritan. Exactly. Lady. Oh, yes. So, I mean, he, he broke with convention, didn't he? So there's something about uh, God smiling because he just loves 
people, doesn't he? Absolutely. And I think we can get really tied up in all of those differences. And we're just here to just, yeah, bring that smile. That's absolutely right. So create a safe environment. People are welcome here no matter what. Now, obviously, we went through a little thing called Brexit, mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, and I don't think on either side the stay or the or the or, or, or the leave did a particularly brilliant job at, at sort of uh, communicating or whatever. But 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 one of the worrying things was, that, of course, the whole immigration issue uh, came to the fore mm. and, and so on. Did did that have a very negative? impact uh, upon the work that you were doing and and more importantly some people's attitudes to it amazingly not so what we are really encouraged by is of course we we know that there's this sort of hostile environment and uh, negative narrative going on but what we see locally is actually some incredible people who want to help and support and go above and beyond to welcome the refugee so we've been really encouraged um, over the last few years of just seeing actually community groups churches individuals from all backgrounds stepping up saying no we disagree with that narrative we actually want to help we want to welcome and i think we've seen that a bit in the expression of interest um, with the homes for ukraine scheme the amount of members of public who have stepped up wanting to open their home for example so we're just here taking that opportunity to show um as important for Ukrainians, there's so many refugees from so many places here in Bournemouth who need support too. Now, turning to you, uh, Richard, your, your job title is Community uh, Support Manager. What does that entail? So it's sort of two-pronged, our department. We have the community support work that we do with vulnerable women and families. So that's out um, largely in Winton, Charminster. We run activities such as a homework club for primary school kids, um, women's English classes with a creche, um, and a women's conversation group. So our main aim is to create those safe spaces in the community that women who would normally perhaps be excluded from mainstream education because of the age of their children can come they can start learning English, but they can also start making connections with other women, other mums that can lead to volunteering opportunities, employment opportunities, self, you know, the improvement of self-confidence. Um, and then the other kind of half of my department is our resettlement work. So we are commissioned by the local authority to provide resettlement support work for Syrian families and Afghan families who have arrived here on government resettlement schemes. So we've worked with nine Syrian families in the BCP area and we've currently got six Afghan families that have arrived since last year and two more imminent arrivals. So that's kind of a full wraparound support for those families um, as they settle. And of course, I mean, Ukraine has dominated. Everyone's thinking, haven't they? Because there's mm-hmm. never a day goes past and we're not seeing Ukraine on the television. But of course, we, we, we could easily forget about yep. Afghan families and Syrian families and so on. And the need is as great there, isn't, isn't it? I mean, in some yep. cases, maybe even greater. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, there are still plenty of Afghans who were evacuated in August by the British government um, due to the work that they have carried out with the British in Afghanistan. Um, And they're currently living in temporary accommodation in England, waiting for permanent housing to become available. So there's still a really big need for that kind of permanent housing, self-contained accommodation for them and their families. Um, And for those that we have been able to home, 
there's just huge challenges when resettling in a new area, you know, finding work, understanding the benefit system, kids settling into school, mums understanding a new kind of system they're within a new culture where they're being encouraged to go out more can be really scary um so there's a lot of work to do with those families to try and make sure that they feel comfortable and secure in themselves and and optimistic about the future well let's have our first piece of music and rebecca i think you've chosen this one it's cornerstone Mm -hmm. by hillsong so why this one i just feel at this time where sort of globally and locally things feel really unstable it's a good reminder that Jesus is our firm foundation and that's who we need to place our feet firmly on Um, so I find some real kind of hope from this message This is Hope FM Well that's a wonderful song there from Hillsong United Uh, Cornerstone, one of my favourites actually in, in, in recent days. The words are amazing. Now, my very special guests today are uh, Rebecca and Rachel, two R's today. That's right. Because they're doing the right thing. <laughs> hey. uh, from the uh, from uh, from ICN, the International uh, Care uh, Network, working with uh, with refugees from, from Afghanistan, Syria, and of course, more recently from uh, Ukraine. When people arrive, you know, in, in the country, I mean, obviously, there's trauma yeah. what have you experienced you know in terms of those first steps as the sorts of things that you have to to to, to address absolutely so on first arrival we our experiences it's all the practical it's all the practical that needs to be addressed accommodation bank account registering with a gp health issues financial issues getting kids in school getting the adults accessing english um cultural differences local orientation all of those really important practical things to address and i think we're quite well experienced in doing that and recognizing those needs and Interestingly, what we find is some of those sort of more complex behind the scenes needs might come to the surface a little bit later on once those practical things have been addressed. So we know that pretty much, you know, every refugee or asylum seeker that has to resettle is carrying some degree of trauma from what they've experienced. But what we also know uh, more recently is the post-migration trauma that they might be navigating is as much of a challenge. So then you've got a complex situation, sort of compounding trauma going on. And that's actually something that ICM wants to start addressing. So we've, we do the practical things really, really well. We do the relational things. Well, I think we do them well. We We try our best. Uh, um, And we want to address um, well-being. And we see that as a vital piece of the puzzle. And we think we're in a bit of a unique position with good relationship with the community, uh, not just Afghans and Syrians and Ukrainians, but we have people from Iran, Iraq, Zimbabwe, Turkey, so many different places. Um, And we want to be able to be a safe place to offer um, some mental well-being support so that's a piece of the puzzle that we're we're working towards so if i turn to you uh, uh rachel how, mm-hmm. how is that support delivered so what we're looking at is employing a mental health professional who would be able to again take quite a two-prong approach so part of their role can include liaising with local providers that already exist building those networks, building those links that we have with those providers and also delivering some culturally relevant training and perhaps some background on this post-migration trauma 
um, PTSD that can be related to civil war and conflict and migration. But we want the majority of it to be forward facing. So with the families and the individuals that we work with, we're really looking for someone who can pioneer and deliver workshops, one to one support um, in a way that is culturally relevant, as I said before, and also in a, in a safe place for individuals who know ICN and trust ICN to come and, and start to examine the way they're feeling, examine the things that are coming up, and then start to explore how they can build resilience, how they can address those things and work on putting those to rest and, and moving forward. Now, you, you talked there about needing to make this appointment. Uh, yes. Have you got the funding, the most important thing, you know, in order to move it forward? We have a lot of faith <laughs> in the Lord, but we are also... Um, we have a Just Giving campaign, so we're fundraising for that. At the moment, it's all over our social media. If, if anyone is on social media, they can find the links. But just put in ICN? Put in ICN. They'll find us. I'm, I'm sure of it. Um, we're looking to raise £15,000, which will um, cover the cost, the salary, for this individual who can pioneer and build this piece of work. So, I mean, I know people have been exceptionally generous and uh, we're sending container loads of support mm. through Poland, you know, into U Ukraine. And uh, I know people are, are, are giving cash. But I suppose what we ought to say is don't forget that right on our doorstep that actually the mm. people who need the support are actually here in our community. So another good reason. So don't stop your giving in terms That's of... That's right. But, but, but remember organisations, and particularly ICN, of course. Of course. And um, you're absolutely right. Right, it's here on our doorstep. We've got needs here locally. So um, you can donate, you know, finance or things to ICN to be able to support people locally. I mean, obviously, right at the beginning, you know, it must be a, a big challenge for you to establish trust, you know, mm. with, the, with the people coming because of what they're bringing. And of course, the, the language barrier. So is the most traumatic time for that right at the beginning? I think that's a really interesting question. I think the experience that we've had is um, we... I think because we are aware of the challenges, trust is built quite quickly. Um, people see that we understand. We understand what some of the challenges are and we are trying to address those from the day dot of their arrival. So our experience is that trust, yeah, generally is built quite quickly and, and goes on from there. And of course, people navigate different emotions. There's a bit of a honeymoon period of new, newly arrived, you know, for most people. And then there might be a bit of a dip and then coming back up again as they adjust to their new life here but it is an ongoing set of challenges and we just do our best to build that relationship and maintain that trust and i suppose the other thing that's very important in this is the partnership working mind i know that you work very very closely with bcp council yes but there are other organizations of course that you work with as well and that's an important connection isn't it absolutely it's really important that as a community all of those different stakeholders we're talking together when we're working together and I actually think that's happening more and more, especially with the um, crisis that's unravelling with Ukraine. More and more people and community groups are getting interested in stepping up. So, yeah, we really value our relationship with um, BCP Council and Dorset Council and we work closely.
Committee with the British Red Cross in Bournemouth as well and various different stakeholders who are all here saying the same message we want to support. Well let's have our next piece of music which is Yes and Amen yep. uh, from the House Fires. Why this one? I actually had this um, at my wedding and it's a really important song to me and my husband. Um, we find that it's quite difficult to hold on to God's promises sometimes if it's taking a long time to see the fruition of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a declaration. We agree that his promises are yes and we say amen to them. This is Hope FM. Well, my very special guests today are uh, Rebecca uh, and Rachel from the uh, International Care uh, Network. And obviously we're talking about the wonderful work that they do uh, in support of people who are who are refugees. Now, obviously, Ukraine mm. uh, has been filling our, our television screens and, and so on. What is happening locally? I mean, obviously, you said earlier on, I think, Rebecca, about you know, people stepping forward and offering their homes and so on. Have those folk began to arrive locally? That's right, they have. Yep, so we've seen it's somewhere between sort of 200 and 250 Ukrainians arrive now in the local area of BCP. Um, So they, obviously those matches have happened through the uh, government's programme, Homes for Ukraine, where people have generously offered up their home and spaces in their home to welcome Ukrainian refugees. So yes, we are starting to see them arrive now. And I suppose that that calls for two levels of support. One, for the families who are opening up their homes. Absolutely right. And two, of course, for the people who are staying in those homes. Exactly. We're really looking to be able to support the the hosts, as they're called, um, because it... it it's uh, incredible that people are moved by compassion and opening their home but it's really important that people understand the challenges that will come with a uh, somebody that's had to flee their home suddenly and the things that they have seen and that can sort of express itself in different ways so we're looking to try and support the hosts as well as uh, the Ukrainian refugees and of course it's a tsunami of need I mean it's something like 2 million people have fled you know Ukraine uh, and of course that number is increasing all, all of the time Mm. Uh, it's, it's, you must be encouraged by the, what the Polish folk are doing. In fact, all of the all the bordering countries they've stepped up to the mark. But of Absolutely. course, in, in particularly Poland, which of course in itself is a very poor country. That's right. Just to see the way they've opened their doors and just welcome people, regardless, is just so encouraging to see. And like I said, we're just sort of seeing local exp- expressions of that here as well. And it's just for us as an organisation that have been going for 23, 24 years doing this. It's really encouraging just to see the public turn their hearts towards welcoming people. You've heard that phrase for such a time as this, haven't you? Uh, <laughs> yeah. do, do you ever get the impression that ICN, uh, everything else has been a bit of a practice, you know, and now, you, <laughs> now, now you've got this tsunami of need coming. And, and not only that, but being recognised by the by the government, which always hasn't been the case. So that's it? right. I think the key here is there's there's been regular tsunamis of need. Um, but what's happening is it's being seen, it's being vocalised, it's in the public domain more and more and that is encouraging for us so there's always been ebbs and flows peaks and troughs of the work within ICN according to what the need is what's going on in the world Um, but it started out of the first wave of um, Afghan refugees having to come you know 20 odd years ago so this is something that we're we're used to but what we are seeing a change in is is the public interest and and the narrative around it and I suppose that also gives you a platform for doing what you're doing today Mm. you're saying well look yeah Absolutely. The folk that we're dealing with in Ukraine 
really important, but actually no more important than all the other refugee folk that you are dealing with. And I guess it must be quite frustrating to know that there's need because Afghanistan was on mm. our television, Syria was on our television, exactly. but not for the prolonged period, of course, that we're, we're seeing with Ukraine. Absolutely. It's absolutely vital that we support and help Ukrainians and address the need. There is no question there. But for us at ICN, it's as vital that we look at the need that is already here and continuing to come for people from many other countries, including Afghanistan, as you've mentioned. So what are you experiencing, Rachel, now? Your, your community support work? I mean, uh, no, yeah. you don't get in. All holidays cancelled, you know, uh, 24-7 working, uh, you know, taking on radio programmes and so on. Exactly. Your, it's your busy. full, yes. It is busy and it, it's been busy. Oh, it's always been busy. But since August last year when um, things, the crisis in Afghanistan did hit our news, we started to look at how was that going to play out here what were we going to see here as a result of that? And it started by supporting the existing Afghan community who were incredibly distressed and worried about friends and family members in Afghanistan. Um, and then through the government scheme, we started to receive these Afghan families who we can work with on that long-term basis to support. And that Again, it's a massive learning curve culturally. They're very different from the Syrian families that we're used to working with. So as a staff team, we're learning lots. We're eating lots of lovely new food, which is a huge so perk. So you're enjoying the culture already. <laughs> I'm enjoying the culture. I enjoy all the cultures and I, I love learning and hearing about people's countries through their own eyes rather than just seeing about the wars on the media but hearing people talk about their homes mm. um, is something that I absolutely love about my job but like you say it comes with challenges because of this re-traumatization they're dealing with expectations that may or may not have been met when they moved here um, the cost of living is incredibly high at the moment everyone's struggling with well, that, that must be in Ukraine it's the opposite isn't it it's <laughs> low cost of living mm, that's right exactly so they're you know, they're being placed in, in properties and then realising actually electricity and gas is, is crazy expensive at the moment. How am I going to um, afford this? How am I going to feed my family? Work is hard to find. Um, speaking specifically about the Afghans, they're coming with um, really illustrious careers because many of them worked with the British. They were interpreters, um, diplomatic liaisons, hospital administrators, um, head of security, things like that where they've, you know, they've worked hard for many years to build a career um, and to build that kind of respect in their community, which has now been removed from them. And they're having to look at starting from the bottom again in order to provide for their family. But that's a big adjustment for anyone to make. Um, so that's a big challenge that we're facing at the moment is how can we help these gentlemen take the experience and the skills that they have and that they've worked really hard at and translate that into a job here that is rewarding, um, allows them to feed their family. On that front, have you, have you ha had support from employers locally? 
We have in the past, but something we really want to push is more of those opportunities. So I'm going to take the opportunity now um, to to speak to anyone out there, any employers that feel kind of moved by this issue um, with perhaps a compassionate attitude towards welcoming refugees. We would love to hear from you if you have any opportunities for volunteering, work experience or work um, opportunities. Please do get in touch with us at ICN. Um, you can email us on info at icn.org.uk. Any job opportunities we'd love to hear from because as well as Afghans and Syrians that we've mentioned, there are so many others who are looking for work um, experience and work opportunities who we'd love to support. And we see that as an integral part of people being able to resettle in the community well. We didn't want to say goodbye without talking about the real need that there is for uh, for housing going mm. forward. And that, of course, is for for everybody and particularly for Afghan and Syrian families who of course have been, you've been working with for quite a wee while now. Absolutely. So we have we could be welcoming so many more families to the area. So we uh, that the barrier to that is affordable and appropriate housing that they can live in. So we really are appealing to any landlords or people who have second homes that if they have a property that they would be willing to rent um, at an affordable you know rental price uh, that they could get in touch with us. The same address info at icn.org.uk. Any housing opportunities that you may be aware of yourself or via others please do let us know because it is stopping us being able to settle more families so we're doing a list here aren't we so we're t- we talked about employers yep uh, we talked about families that's right already supporting and if you want to come for although I, I don't know whether there's still time is to come forward to offer support yeah absolutely uh and obviously funding because you want to get your mental funding. health worker dire need for that absolutely uh, anything else we need to put on that list <laughs> I think that's a good list, isn't it? So if you do want to check out Just Giving, you can then just type in ICN on Just Giving and our mental health campaign will come up. But if you're struggling to find it, do get in touch with us. And of course, we will show you where to go. Well, Rebecca and Richard, thank you so much for being uh, my guest today. You have to come back. We'd love to. Bring some of your folk, you know, with you. Uh, Taking us out of the programme where you've got Delirious, why this one? Yeah, Find Me in the River. Um, Just when you might be feeling cracked and dry, like that lyric says... I'm going to choose to immerse myself in you in the river of goodness. Well, it's goodbye uh, from the three of us here in the studio. And for me, I'm taking a little break for a few weeks, but I'll be back with you. And uh, and there'll be, uh, there'll be Danny in this chair on a Wednesday. And of course, uh, Ian uh, uh, as well and Sally. So for me, Blair Crawford and indeed from Rachel and Rebecca, it's goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. This is Hope FM.